Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. All right, welcome back to another episode of How of Business with David and Henry. And Henry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, fighting a little bit of a head cold, but I got to spend the weekend in New York City with my daughter and had a great time. So um, back at it and excited about this topic today. Good. Do you have an update on Airbnb? Let's take (laughs) take a few minutes and tell us what uh, happened on your Airbnb registry. I do. I I have a negative experience, unfortunately. (laughs) I had lined up a very nice condo about a month ago and was very excited. And then all of a sudden got an email from that host uh, Monday. This is the Monday last week before I was traveling on Friday. And she said, uh, Airbnb has been outlawed in Manhattan. I thought, wow, that's a pretty broad statement. So immediately I go online and try to search and see what's going on. And then I called Airbnb support, uh, who was very responsive. They were very responsive. They immediately kind of got on the case and uh, contacted the host And I guess in some buildings, as you might expect, uh, they're starting to crack down on this. It doesn't surprise me, but it certainly wasn't that Airbnb is illegal in Manhattan. That was a a stretch of the truth. So I had to scramble and find a hotel. Fortunately, this time of year is off season and there's a gazillion hotels. And so it wasn't a problem, but that, that certainly left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, so you're starting to see the disruptive technologies get a little disruptive. That's right. But That's right. It's probably long term. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big play. Oh yeah, and it's funny because the weekend before, my wife had gone to Austin for Austin City Limits with my daughter, and she had been told that the city of Austin is trying to fight uh, Uber. So now we used Uber all up and down New York City, by the way. My daughter loves Uber. She, right. she loves yeah. the idea of Uber. <laughs> Uber black, to be specific. <laughs> oh, there you yeah. go. Not Uber X, but Uber. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So great weekend. And uh, so the topic we're going to uh, dive into today is a, another big one. We seem to be tackling big topics for here uh, recently. And that is hiring or what we're calling hiring exceptional employees part one. So this is a multi-part because this is such a big topic. And we'd like to start in this podcast on three primary areas. Uh, The initial one, which is how do you define what it is that we're looking for or a job description, how we do that, how we've done that well, what we think works for us. Then we'll flow into how we have posted these positions, the tools that we've used in the past, tool that we've used most recently. And those would just be examples of how we do that and how we've managed the process, what we've learned there. And then thirdly, as we get into interviews, whether they be phone or face-to-face, what are some of the techniques we've used there, systems, procedures? How do we empower our managers to do this as effectively as possible? And this is such a difficult thing, right, Dave? I mean, it's, it's, it's I think, more of an art than a science, it is. I've read some books here recently that uh, dispute that fact. They will tell you that it's not the black art that we make it out to be. But in some cases, it still is a little bit of a black art. Uh, there's a book called Who, which uh, was written by an organization called GSmart, which really focuses on – you can set up a process to 
decrease the uncertainty of a hire. Now, we all know that there will always be a little bit of uncertainty when you hire people, but they've got some great tools and techniques that we can talk about later on. Uh, for me, it probably is still a black art <laughs> to some extent because I don't necessarily always follow a methodology. And I'm going to talk about a lot of mistakes that I've made in hiring over the last 10 years and uh, hopefully enlighten our audience of things they can avoid. Yeah. So I, I've leaned more towards the, I think you must have a process and a methodology and you learn different skills and you apply different tools. But I, I you know, and my experience tells me that it's more of um, you try the best you can and then the more important point, which we will make at the end, uh, certainly, is that it's a process that doesn't end at the hire. And I think that's, that's right. the most important takeaway. Yeah. And that was my big epiphany in the last two years was that hiring hiring is a two-step process. One is the hiring. And I would say a lot of small business owners at that point like to high-five each other and chest bump and move on because they've got their hire. But that's really just beginning the second phase of the hire while they're working because employees a lot of times are, are testing you as well. They're, they're still going through the interview process and asking themselves, uh, did I make the right decision? Mm -hmm. and, and there are people who are very good at interviewing and they may not be showing you their true selves. And so that comes out later when they're actually performing the job. Sure. I, I, it, I always go back to uh, an experience I had when I was hired on at, at Ariba which was one of my, my great work experiences during my career. At that time, I was employee 105. So uh, I was interviewed by the CEO, Keith Kroc, which was a very interesting interview. Uh, but I was also interviewed by a gentleman by the name of Boris Botanic, who still to this date, in, in my opinion, is probably the smartest person I've ever worked with. Just brilliant, genius level guy. But what I always loved about Boris is he's also the most one of the most humble people I ever met. He never was the type that you immediately or he immediately had to show you he was the smartest guy in the room. He just was. And you, you kind of mm -hmm. figured that out eventually. But so yeah. down to earth, he really looked at it as he could learn something from everybody. And I always admired that in him. But when he interviewed me, his questions were more about getting to know me and my personality. And we mm -hmm. chatted about it later because we, we, we stayed pretty close throughout the years that I was at Ariba. And that was more important to him than my background or did I have the right sales experience or did I understand the space that I was getting into. And that has led me to really believe wholeheartedly that when you're trying to hire for most positions, you know, if, I, if I'm hiring a physician, then that person has to have those skills, right? But for mm -hmm. most part, for the types of positions we mostly are hiring for, uh, especially the customer-facing positions. I've always believed, and you agree, I, I'm sure as well, that w you can teach skills, but it's very hard to teach attitude and personality. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets back to, in many cases, instead of saying somebody's wrong for the job or somebody's not good for the job or somebody's bad for the job, the terminology I'm starting to use is they're just not a good fit. That's right. That's right. So for whatever reason, whether at in their life or their skill set, they can find a place where they can work, where they can flourish. It just might not be in your organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. So hiring is a process. We're going to touch on just uh, the initial steps in that process. And, and first, it starts with a clear definition of that position or a job description is what we happen to call it. And we've developed a certain format to those job descriptions that includes 
the the typical stuff, you know, what what this job entails. But we also have a, a section that maybe you don't see as often, which is you're a fit for this position if. And and we we take that language that we craft and we give some thought to, a lot of thought to, as to what makes that up. And that that gets applied uh, often if it makes sense in the job posting, right, Dave? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the job posting and the skills and what you're looking for then should really become the scorecard that you use to decide if that person actually is a good fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it always starts with a job description for us that we clearly define. Uh, in, in our case, you and I will go back and forth on it to validate, yep, that's what we're looking for in this person. We will have spent a lot of time if it's a new position. For example, we just recently hired a project manager, which is new for us. And so we went back and forth on what we thought would go into that. We got input from other people who have hired project managers before, uh, namely your strategic coach contacts. And that helped us to define what we thought would be the ideal job description for this person we were looking for. Right. For other positions that we filled before, then of course we just fine tune that over time, but, but we have that definition previously and that's what we use. So that, that's the first step. Seems obvious, but, but sometimes gets skipped. Yeah. In some of my latest re readings, I've learned that one good way to create a job description is to list the outcomes that you're looking for, mm -hmm. for that person. Okay. So if this person was tremendously successful, what would they be doing? What would they be acting like? What would their numbers look like? However, you're going to measure this particular person. Put that in the job job description because what you're looking for is somebody that's willing to sign up for those outcomes. Yeah, yeah but that's maybe something we don't do as much of, and we probably need to continue to look at doing that, especially for the higher level positions that we're looking to fill. Sure. So once we've done that, then we go to posting the job, and we've used all types of different methods for job posting. Uh, at my, my previous business that I sold last year, where we were hiring predominantly uh, receptionists, that, that was the one position that we hired for, Craigslist was a great source of, of positions for us, or a great source of candidates, I should say. Uh, most recently, inclusive of the project manager position we just referred to, David, you've been using a new tool, though, right? Yeah, I've been using an online product called Indeed. And I think it's starting to eclipse Craigslist in its usage. So I'm hearing more and more good things about Indeed. And the thing I like about Indeed is it forces people to do resumes. Mm. So they have to have a, a resume ready to go or create one before they submit. They have to check off a few questions. So I'll put some requirements around a job. And it lets me know very quickly if, uh, so for example, if I'm hiring a bookkeeper, I'd like that bookkeeper to have two years worth of QuickBooks experience. They're supposed to say, do you have two years of QuickBooks experience? Yes or no. And it's very easy for me to go in and, and call out the ones that do not. And, and then it's very easy to, uh, to sort your resume pile. That's something most of us have had to do manually. But if I want to reject a candidate up front, I can just hit a reject button. It sends them a quick email say, thanks for applying, but we don't feel like you're a good fit at this time. Very quickly get those people out. And then the ones that are left, I can highlight, I can star, I can set up interviews. Uh, all that can be done online. So it's a really effective tool. It, it is a free version and a cost version if you want your job posting to be highlighted. 
uh, it's uh, you have to pay for that, and you can set a daily budget for how many looks you get. A lot like Google AdWords to some extent. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's great so, about it is, uh, again, as you are, you and I are not at the same city, it allows us to collaborate. So Indeed or any other of the comparable platforms that are online-based, that's the other big benefit, is electronically we can review applicants and work together on them. Uh, so that's, that's right. a huge benefit. Now, but would you use Indeed for your uh, line-level employees, for your hourly-based employees? Or is that where they're going as well? Have you used that recently? I haven't. I have not used it for line-level employees. Uh, but I probably ought to try that because the one thing uh, – Indeed's an aggregator, so it goes out mm, to many okay. sites. And it gives you the capability to kind of expand your, expand your horizons. So – I don't know. That's a great question. I've not uh, worried about that. My my managers have done most of the hiring for the hourly line employees, and they've used Craigslist and had pretty decent success. But as the job market tightens up, we might have to look at mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So for a position where you're usually asking for a resume, you've been asking for a cover cover letter as well? I have. We do ask for a cover letter. Uh, this last position I was hiring for was part-time. That should have been one of the criteria because I would say 75% of the resumes I've got did not mention anything about wanting part-time work. Mm-hmm. So you still have the ability to you know, send a resume to a job that you're not a good fit for. So you still have to call the list, but you can do that very quickly and very effectively with Indeed. So I'm a, I'm a big fan at this mm-hmm. point. What are you looking for in a cover letter? So I'm looking, did they write the cover letter specifically to me? Yeah. So I usually ask why they think they'll be a good fit. And I'm just looking for effort Yeah. is one thing. Did they actually create a customized cover letter? I see a lot of cover letters that are not customized, right. which which just blows mm-hmm. me away. Uh, I want to see if how well it's put together. I want to see if they've, they've thought through the process, if they're thoughtful in their communications. I want to see if there's accuracy in their communications. Uh, but just that asking for a cover letter, I can eliminate 80% of the resumes. Yeah. Now, I try not to because there could be some good candidates that just didn't get that sure. part. But uh, if you were going to use that as a criteria, then um, you know you can really eliminate quite a few of the resumes in your pile. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big believer in those types of things. I'm a big believer in seeing if they follow the instructions into posting. Uh, so, for example, when we're hiring an hourly worker at our frozen yogurt shops, our instruction is always to download the application from the website, complete it, and then bring it in person. Don't email it to me. Bring it in person to one of our shops. Why? And so what does that do, do I think? I think, and perhaps I'm wrong about this, but I, I believe it shows effort, especially with that level of employee. One of the biggest challenges we've had in the past is hiring people who actually want to work and have the wherewithal to get to work uh, on a timely basis. And and all of the, I think you're validating all of those things that they can at least put forth the effort of getting up from behind the computer, filling out that application and actually bringing it in. That To me, that separates people. Uh, we did right. the same thing, as I mentioned before, with when I was hiring receptionists at our salons. 
we looked for, did you bring it in? What did you look like when you came in? Did you bother to dress appropriately and professionally? Because that's that was the environment in that particular business. So we looked for those things. And sometimes people would come in nicely dressed with the right attitude and professional. And guess what it would get them? It would get them an immediate interview sometimes. Right. So right. we were looking and, for that, for people who separate themselves that way. And, and it, to me, it just blows me away. It's not hard to differentiate yeah. yourself. And and it might be some of the levels that we hire at, but we're hiring some professional sure. folks. And even in that level, it was sometimes people, 50% of the people made some critical errors yeah. as far as creating their resume. And with... In the olden days, let's go back to the days for computers, it was very, you know, there was a lot of effort that had to be put in for you to apply for a job because you had to type up your resume physically, you had to do a cover letter separately, you had to come in, you always had to come in, there was no way to send it. And nowadays, since it's so easy to send resumes, it's incumbent on you to do the calling process quickly. Agreed. So, so those are all key things that we look for, uh, techniques that we're using in that step of the process to help us filter out and identify the candidates that we want to take to the next round, which is obviously then the interview process. Um, and sure. we do phone interviews and we do face-to-face for certainly for the higher level candidates. If it's a line employee, we don't do phone interviews. We have them come in. But let's let's talk to, for example, the project manager position or a site manager or a general manager position that we might be hiring for. Typically, we'll do a round of phone interviews first, correct? Correct. And so you want to pick the ones that you want to visit with. And I would say probably lean toward calling more than less. Mm-hmm. So if you're not sure about a candidate... I think it's worth a 10 or 15 minute telephone mm-hmm. call. One thing you've got to think about is you've got to set aside time to do this. If you're going to go into a hiring process, make sure your calendar is open or you've booked the time to make these telephone right. calls. Because if you're going to talk to 20 different candidates and it's 15 minutes apiece for a telephone screening, you've uh, committed yourself to four hours. Is my math yeah, correct? Yeah. Okay. So you've committed to four hours worth of calling and, now, you're not going to get people right away, yeah. so they might call you back and you can reschedule. But the big mistake I make, uh, have made in the past is not going through a hiring process but not making myself available. Mm-hmm. I'm either, I, I travel the week right, I'm doing right. it, and, <laughs> and these things cannot no. sit. As soon as you get a resume, you've got to get moving on this. You cannot let these sit because there's a shelf life. There's other people out there looking for the same type of people. It's a competitive market. So the quicker you can get through this process and the more time you have to devote to it, the better your results exactly. going to be. Now, let me take a step back that I kind of maybe skipped over. After we receive these applications, we're looking for the obvious. They follow the instructions. Before we get to the phone interview round, we're looking for some things, right? Let's say we asked for a resume Uh, Some of the things that I look for and I'd like you to add as well is uh, I'm looking at the writing style. Is it appropriate for the position that we're hiring? I'm looking at obvious things like typos and grammar. That that just shows me an attention to detail or a lack thereof. So, for example, if we were hiring for a, a bookkeeper position or a position that requires accuracy and attention to detail, but your resume has several typos, that might tell me something. Uh, so I look right. for those things. I look for gaps in employment. 
I look for consistency or lack thereof. And these are all notes then that I'm making. If everything else is looking good, and I think it's like you said, at least worthy of a phone call, I'm making notes as I review the resume of things that I'm going to drill into or ask about. And so those are the things I'm looking for. Uh, consistent themes, completeness, those types of things. What do you look for in addition to that? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the person talk. So I think the screening interview, well, uh, I'm sorry. This yeah, before is what you I'm, make that phone call, yeah, what are you yeah. looking for besides that in the resume? Anything I've missed? Yeah, I'm looking for. I'm looking for, do they actually have the experience? Okay. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, in this last hiring <laughs> round, how many people tell me they have right. QuickBooks experience, but they don't? Right. They checked the box, yes, <laughs> but yet you look at the resume yes. and it doesn't match. So immediately, that's at least right. a yellow flag. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so for me, it's yeah. a red flag. Yeah. So that's one way I called is that people yeah. that said, if I didn't see any ability, now they, for example, they could be sure. an accountant, and I'm fine with that. Uh, you can teach them QuickBooks if they've got an extensive... QuickBooks, but there's just a red flag there when somebody checks something yep. off. And I, I'm looking for a lot of these resumes nowadays seem like they're being pumped out mm -hmm. by some, some mm -hmm. machine. Uh, and so they're putting things that are not very applicable. They're, 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 they're trying to buff up their resume by putting things. Um, they're, they're probably putting the right things, but the way they're wording it lets me know that it's probably not a a genuine yeah, resume. Yeah. So you're looking for those types of things. Right. And then I'm, I'm looking for that cover letter mm -hmm. and that cover letter is an easy, easy thing to look at, easy to determine if the person put any effort agreed, into it or not. Agreed. Now, sometimes like we, we went around for a position that was more blue collar where the cover letter might've been very short because maybe that person isn't, their strength necessarily isn't written communication, but at least they put forth an effort and that's okay. That So that doesn't immediately right. eliminate them. You have to keep it in the context of the positioning that you're hiring for. Right. And in most of my hires, I don't, if they didn't submit a cover letter, it's not necessarily a, a uh, show stop. Yeah. Automatic. Yeah. Automatic. Right. What I've done in that case, that's, that'll be one of the first questions. I'll put them on the spot. So why did you not complete a cover letter? I'm interested in their answer right. to that. What are some of the answers you've gotten? You know, I, the unfortunate ones is they blame the tool. They blamed uh, Indeed or whatever other platform as to it wasn't clear, which we don't have enough experience yet to know if that's just an easy excuse or not. Uh, but it's an interest. That seems to be the predominant one. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so now we get to the phone interview, which is typically what we do first on a higher level candidate. Um, and so let's talk about what, what you listen for there, some of your techniques there. So I'm listening for the why. So I'm starting and, and I think the screening interview to me needs to be, uh, I don't ever plan to hire you. Why should okay. I hire you? And so you've got to get really aggressive about using that as an opportunity to get rid of people because you've got to take your list down from 20 to five and you could have 20 pretty decent candidates and you've got to figure out who are your best five. A lot of it is, you know, how people are responding to questions. So this is where you sit down with the resume and you go through in detail. Uh, so you start uh, at the latest one. So your latest job. So tell me what you did, who'd you work for? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Why did you leave? It's a great question. And you're looking for the answer. So I'm looking for people's yeah. attitudes. I'm looking for where they're at. And I'm looking for the reason why they think they want to come work for me. If they don't have a good reason, 
then yeah, that's a red flag. And that the same applies to me. I, I look at it also as if it's a mid-level position, I usually allocate 30 minutes. If it's a higher level position, then at least an hour or, or no limit, however the conversation might go. But usually I allocate 30 minutes. You and I have been working a lot in tandem. And so I tend to be the bad cop a lot of times. Uh, right, and, and right. that's And it doesn't always work out well, but I tend to take a more uh, direct to the point approach and that sets people off balance a little bit. And I do that purposefully. So it's not that I'm trying to be obnoxious about it. I'm looking for, can I easily make you uncomfortable either because of the timing of my questions the cadence of my questions and even the type of questions. So I'm looking to see right. if you can respond quickly, uh, think on your feet, if you will, and answer my questions. So that's that's certainly an approach that I take. And that gets back to just interviewing yes. styles. So we probably ought to talk sure. about that right now. As most people, when they interview, what are they mm-hmm. looking for, Henry? If they if they don't have a methodology, what do they typically I, I think get out of it? What a, you revert to is you tend to hire people like you, people you like. Yeah, and I think that's the answer I hear quite a bit from people who are hiring. Mm-hmm. Well, I like yeah. the guy. When you and I were in sales and we were hiring salespeople, we were probably the worst interviewers because we're probably the easiest people to get yeah. sold uh, by salespeople. You know, we hire them based on likability, and we tend to judge a person whether we like them or not. Not whether they could do the job, not whether they had the skills, not what their motivation was, but do we like them? And that's that's a very common mistake that people Absolutely. make when they hire. Absolutely. So, so that's why a process and, and continuously learning and improving that process, especially if it's your managers that are doing the hiring who maybe have less experience than you do, giving them tools and a process. And we talked about the application is one tool that we've put together and put a lot of thought behind. When it comes to interviewing, we have several tools that we enable our managers with if it's not us doing the interview. But even I use these tools. One of them, for example, at iTopit, our frozen yogurt shop, is this is a three-page document that are interview questions that you might ask. So this document, you, you would not ask all three pages worth, but you'll pick from here depending on the position and the situation good questions to ask for. And then at the beginning of the document are things to look for, things that are seem obvious to perhaps you and I, but not to someone who doesn't have as much experience with this. Do they make eye contact? How do they respond? Are those little subtle cues, and then we're talking now about face-to-face interviews. I've kind of jumped ahead there a bit. But these tools, to your point, are what helps you be more objective about the process, and, and that's important. So into phone interview, like you said, I drill into also what I'm seeing in the resume. I'm asking questions. I will have made notes when I first reviewed the resume. I've always, I always try to have reviewed the resume ahead of time, even if it's just a few minutes is all I have so that I can scan through and highlight what I'm going to ask a question about. But also like you, besides the obvious, I'm looking for how they answer the questions. I'm looking for the personality that they convey across the phone to me. I'm looking for how they answer the question. I ask specific questions that are sometimes close-ended questions and, of course, obvious open-ended questions. I will be very specific sometimes. I will say, can you answer for me briefly in just a couple of sentences why you think this position is a fit for you? 
Now, if the candidate goes on and on and on answering that question, then they're either maybe very nervous or they didn't take the time to listen. They're not good listeners. They didn't listen to my question. Or maybe they're just a person who's really talkative. Now, if I'm hiring that person at our frozen yogurt shop to be in front of customers, that might be a great thing. The fact that they're, they right. love to talk, they're very personable, that might be great. But if it's in a position that reports directly to you or I, that could drive us crazy by day two, right? And, and, right. and simply is not right. a fit. So we're looking for those things. We're trying to uncover those things. Some of the jobs that we hire for, when you ask why, why do you think you're a good fit or why do you want this job? A lot of times it's, I yeah, just need exactly. a job. <laughs> and, and I haven't dismissed that answer mm -hmm. necessarily unless they're just, they're, we're hiring for more of a professional right. person, right. like a manager. But, you know, sometimes the honesty is good. And sometimes people that are motivated, and what I'm looking for when I'm hiring line individuals at the car wash is I'm looking for people who are motivated mm -hmm. to work. So I've tried to hire high school kids. I've tried to hire college kids. We don't have a tremendous success with that because most of them don't right. need to work. So I'm looking for somebody who really wants to do it and, or has to do so it. So talking a bit more about interview questions, and this applies both to phone interviews and face-to-face. -face. Uh, the other thing I like to do on a specific topic is to ask the same question multiple times throughout the interview in a slightly different way. For example, one that's often common is I'm hiring for a part-time position, but people are going to apply because they're desperate for a job and they'll take whatever until they find the real full-time position that we're looking for. And so I'm trying to ferret that out. But when you ask them, or you want part-time, they'll, they'll tell you what they think you want to hear. So that's an example of a question if that's important, and you have the knowledge of knowing that you've had a challenge with hiring people that then leave a short period of time later and they tell you, well, I needed more hours or, you know, I needed I needed that full-time job. Ah, so, so you really didn't need a part-time job. So we know that now, right? So I'll ask early right. on, are you looking, it doesn't matter what they've answered online, are you looking for part-time or full-time? Oh, I'm looking for a part-time job. All right, later on, I'll come back and say, so what's part-time for you? How many hours is that? Oh, that's about 40 hours a week. Okay, well, that's not part-time for me, right? So so I'll ask that same right. question multiple times. I may ask, oh, how many hours were you working at your previous job? Oh, I was working about 38 to 40 hours, but I wasn't getting enough hours. All right, so you're not really looking for part-time work, are you? Right. So, right. so right. that's one technique to get at really what you're trying to uncover, depending on the context, the position you're hiring for, and how the conversation is going with that particular candidate. Right. The one that makes me laugh more than anything else is high school kids that come in that say they can right. work anytime. <laughs> and then as you're going through, what yeah. does anytime mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've got band <laughs> and then I've got debate club and then we've got, uh, and then I'm on the soccer team and then I play tennis in the <laughs> springs. <laughs> and once you get all that out, you realize they really don't have any time. Their, their mom or dad says, that's go right. get a job. But, uh, but that's another one you got to help them, right? Because they, they have the perception that, that they've got a lot of time on their hands when, and I told good friends that have kids that want to come work for us. I said, you know, this is really not a good fit exactly. for them. Get, get your school going and figure out how you're doing in school for 48 weeks and then let mm -hmm. me know. And most times yeah, they don't exactly. let me know. Uh, some other good ones so, that work for me. And again, it depends on the position you're hiring for, but how do you stay organized personally? What, what tools do you use? And so I'm listening for them to tell me if they tell me, Oh, I just use my cell phone. It's not that that's not a valid answer. There's no right or wrong answer, but but it 
it might tell me that they've never really applied or implemented true systems to keep themselves organized. You know, this one stumps more people. And I'm sure it's because I'm not asking mm-hmm. it correctly, but I've got to lead yeah. them to what the answers are. Because uh, so what tools do you use to organize? Oh, and then the last interview was, oh, I love using these uh, these boxes <laughs> I get at Home Depot that I put stuff in. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's a fair answer. That's, that's answering that's it correctly, but that's not what that's I'm right. looking so, for. So, so I've got to lead them a little bit into the answer. And so, so I, I've got to figure out how to ans- ask that better. I think and and it's not easy. Now, what am I looking for is, again, there's not a right or wrong answer. If it's a position that if I'm hiring an admin or an executive assistant where their organizational skills must be high level, they must be, they must be consciously competent of their abilities, but they cannot articulate how they themselves stay organized. I, I have a doubt then about their abilities. Right. If it's a position that doesn't require that as much, then okay, they may well be an organized person. They just haven't really given it a lot of thought as to how they do it. Right. Uh, But of course, for you and I, we know we've been in business long enough and our listeners know long enough that if if there's if you don't use some sort of a system that you've tried over time and we did a whole separate podcast on this to keep yourself organized, then you really have no system and you're, you're counting on remembering things. And that simply does not work in most complex environments. People relying That's on right. post-it notes, which bad, is a bad, bad, system. bad system. Uh, what's your ideal job? Right. I like that one. And I like it certainly a lot better than one that was always asked of me when I was interviewing back in my career days. Uh, what do you, where do you see yourself five years from now? Um, So I always ask that question to kind of see if, well, is this job you're applying for? It's amazing how how honest people will be, too, if you catch them. And that has to do with the cadence of questioning to an extent. But how often they'll describe something that has no liking to to what they're applying for, right? Well, we probably need to wrap up. We're coming up on our 30 minutes. So what do you think are the one or two or three takeaways we want people to think about in the early stages of recruiting I, I think it's the re, one of the recurring themes uh, in everything that we've shared with our audience, and that is that you have to have a process, a methodology, a system. And so for us, again, we have in place uh, a format, and we're always improving it, like we just talked about at the outset, for what a job description looks like. We make sure that that's clearly defined. We have a process in place then as to what we look for and and, and clues as to whether we take someone to the next position. We have a process in place for our managers, our hiring managers, for them to follow so that they're executing as effectively and efficiently as possible when they're doing the hiring. So we've we've put tools in place, everything from the app to from the job description to the application to interview questions to ask to an evaluation form so that a hiring manager can more objectively evaluate how an interview went. All of those things are part of the process so that you get better and better at doing this and it's not a one-off every time. I I think that's the key takeaway. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we'll start posting some books and some resources for our listeners if they want to kind of develop their own methodology. Yeah, absolutely. I'll include all of these different tools uh, or describe them in the show notes for this podcast episode. Great. Okay. Good discussion, Henry. So we appreciate everybody listening on the how of business and uh, we'll have a few more podcasts on this particular topic. If you enjoy our podcast, if you would just go ahead and make a comment on iTunes that helps us out quite a bit. And uh, for Henry Lopez and David begin, 
We appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time on The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.